This is Isaka's Page 2 Podcast. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. My name is Holly Mangrum-Willis, and I am the Deputy Director of Isaka's Foundation, One in Tech. Joining me today are Kelly Hood and Thomas Conkle, cybersecurity engineers for Optic Cyber Solutions. They are also the authors of a blog post on isaka.org entitled Lessons Learned from a Year of Remote Work published last fall. Now, because they are the experts, I am going to allow them to introduce themselves and tell you a little bit more about who they are and what they do. So if we could start off first with Kelly. Kelly, please introduce yourself and welcome. Hi, thank you so much. We're so excited to be here today to talk with you about working remotely and all of the the exciting challenges we've seen over the last few years. I guess before we get into that, yeah, um, my name is Kelly Hood. I work for Optic Cyber Solutions, as you mentioned. So most of what we do is we do a lot of assessments, implementation, advising, helping companies figure out what it is that they need to do to secure their their business, how do they protect their business, protecting their data. Um, and we've been doing those assessments and helping them with those challenges a lot over the last few years. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Kelly. And Tom, please introduce yourself. Hi. Hello. And yeah, thank you for giving us the opportunity to talk uh, to you today. Looking forward to this discussion. Um, as you mentioned, yes, Tom Conkle uh, with Optic Cyber Solutions. I'm a cybersecurity engineer. I have about 20 years of experience working with organizations and helping them perform security assessments and understand what are the challenges that they face in security and how do we put operational practices in place so that they can manage their business appropriately and securely with that. So as you mentioned, you know, within the you know, last couple of years with the pandemic and everything, we've been working with a lot of organizations and helping them transition to either a full remote work capacity or a hybrid capacity and looking forward to sharing some of that experiences with you today. Well, thank you so much, Tom. And let's just hop right in. What have you both found were the biggest pain points in helping organizations transition to this work from home and hybrid model? Because um, I know everyone, you know, <laughs> a lot of employees, myself included, were like, yes, no problem. <laughs> and everyone was excited. But there were a lot of things that were um, not anticipated in that transition, which, of course, is where you have come in. So what were the what were the biggest challenges that you found needed to be addressed? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And really, one of the biggest things is just the change, like you mentioned, how it was really a change that everybody had to make very quickly. Um, and it hadn't really been anticipated before. Some companies we worked with had actually had had a partially remote workforce already, which helped them a great deal. But really, that that speed of change that was required as we all went and started working from home, um, making sure that we had the right security protections in place. And what does that mean from home? Really figuring that out, I think, was one of the initially one of the biggest problems problems of what does it look like to operate securely from from your home? Absolutely. Now, Tom, can you talk a little bit about because because Kelly mentioned speed, right? So in the overall landscape of the enterprise security wheelhouse, right? What was the overarching challenge for the business as far as having to transition so quickly and, you know, be solution oriented in a way that they've never had to be before? 
Right, it, exactly, because it hit so quickly for most organizations. No one had really, or very few organizations had planned for something like this and sending their entire workforce home uh, almost overnight uh, with it. So in a lot of cases, organizations took workstations, right? Didn't even have laptops uh, for, for their employees. So they sent their workstations home with employees and told them to just continue working and didn't have really the resources and the capabilities they needed to keep up and working. So we did see a lot of solutions, you know, at first where people, just went from home, joined their home network, and were able to continue moving on. And then, you know, over time, we were able to start layering in some of those security protections. But even then, that came with challenges because of the pace in which it was moving forward. We saw a lot of organizations starting implementing VPNs, right, so that we could have a uh, private secure network, you know, from the remote worker into our environment or into the corporate environment. We could monitor the traffic and look at it, but that caused problems. Organizations couldn't handle the increase in bandwidth that, that was requiring as the connections were coming into place. Uh, so they had to quickly adjust for that. You know, and the converse of that are the organizations that didn't implement VPN technologies. They were using a lot of cloud services. Many of us use, you know, things like Office 365 or Amazon Web Services, and we don't have to normally go back to the corporate network. So, you know, when they were sent home and said to continue doing your job, right, they would just connect directly to these resources and in effect bypass some of the enterprise solutions and capabilities that we had. And then this led to challenges, you know, uh, because people weren't coming onto the corporate network and enabling the VPN, they weren't getting updated security policies. They weren't getting updated security patches. So we had to go back and implement capabilities for these organizations that said, you know, we need to monitor to make sure that people are connecting back to the enterprise, that they're getting that hygiene information pushed to them, this updated security policies, getting the patches applied appropriately to help us kind of adjust for that quick transition. So so it's funny, Tom, I, as you were giving your response, I was watching you looked a little jovial and had a little bit of smirk. And and the reason I picked up on it, I said, Tom is thinking about all of the facepalm moments he's encountered <laughs> and trying to better secure infrastructure as folks work from home. Can either of you share like one or two of those facepalm moments that companies or even employees didn't realize were a thing that needed to be considered in this transition to hybrid and work from home models? There's so many to choose from <laughs> <laughs> with that. I think some of the, 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 the biggest things that I, I, I don't know, interesting things that I found is actually the printers. There are still plenty of people that like to print out and read and work from hard copy. Uh, and in order to keep them up and running, uh, the organizations told them, you know, here, just just take the printer home. We'll let you have the printer. And, and in a sense, they really didn't realize what that meant, right? So if you sent, you know, your finance team home with a printer and said, you know, here's your capability and didn't realize, well, that means they're going to be printing our financial tables. They're going to be printing, you know, our bonus structure, right? And having this paper lay around at their home office or other their locations, right? Not knowing where it was being secured, right? We had to go back and say, okay, now when we issue a printer, we need to issue uh, a shredder, right? So that if they no longer need the need that sensitive information they're printing, how do we protect it, right? Or we're going to provide them a lockbox so that as they print the material and then when they go away at night, they can uh, lock up those financial papers so that they don't become coloring pages uh, for the kids when they get bored later that evening. <laughs> That's terrible. Not coloring pages. Oh, I know there are CFOs everywhere that are like, yes, it happened. It happened. <laughs> 
So, so thank you for sharing that. Kelly, do you have any baseball moments that you've encountered? Right. I think so much of it comes back to those yeah, difference of expectations where you assume, of course, you know, they're going to be protecting that information that you're sending them home with, whether it's, you know, printing out the financial information or even, you know, who you're letting come through your house. So many people didn't have a home office or, you know, still don't have, you know, a, a designated office in their home. And so they're working out of the dining room table or on the couch. And as you're doing that, you're, you're having these, you know, potentially sensitive discussions about, you know, either, you know, business plans or customer information. And then if you're having those conversations while your spouse is cooking dinner in the other room uh, and just really thinking, you know, it, discussing those, you know, those expectations of who's around and how do you handle having that type of information in a home environment now. So in your opinion, what entity was harder to adopt safer and some more secure protocols? Was it the employees, which, you know, could run the gamut, right? Or was it the enterprises who may not have seen the the benefit in better security? That's such a good question, because I think it's really it kind of every... You know, it's such a challenge on both sides, especially as organizations transitioned. We saw in most cases that, you know, as the companies that were able to transition to working from home, often, you know, able to keep doing business and kind of business as usual. But it was that security piece, as you mentioned, that was often lacking that we didn't realize until later or that there just wasn't time to address. So everybody was continuing to, you know, run payroll every month or, you know, having the doing, you know, achieving their job and, you know, doing those things. It just was done in a less secure manner that now we're having to kind of look back and say, oh, how do we clean that up? How do we do that a little better? Especially now that we're seeing that most companies are staying remote or at least partially remote as it's, you know, we found that balance that employees really enjoy and it really helps um, is how do we, how do we do this in a more secure way long-term knowing that we're still going to be protecting ourselves? Thank you for that. What advice or what considerations would you offer companies who are trying to make the decision for more permanent work from home or hybrid models? What things should they be considering in that decision-making process? Maybe even some blind spots that they may not be attuned to um, for a longer term solution. Because a lot of this work, and we can agree, a lot of this work was done um, or this transition was done thinking that it was just a fluke or a phase. No one ever saw this happening or continuing for a year or multiple years. So now, because of course, and and, you know, a lot of the um, examples that you've given have been financial. So of course, companies are looking at their bottom lines, right? So as they make these decisions about more permanent solutions, what are things that enterprises should be considering um, for long-term implementation of these work models? No, that's a that's a very good question, and unfortunately, there's quite a lot of things to consider. Um, but I think it ultimately goes back to just like any other business decision, right? So as we've come to this realization or this understanding that remote work is probably here to stay for most organizations, how are we going to handle that from a business side, right? And what does the business aspects mean? Because some organizations that provide customer service, for example, they're really interested in availability and making sure that their staff are available to get to those customers' questions and concerns. So in that case, we need to make sure that we have capabilities in place so that they have resources available to them so that they can get onto the internet, right? Do they have you know, a hotspot as a backup so that if they're home 
network goes down that they can jump onto the hotspot because the availability is the most critical thing to them. Where other organizations are really worried about the confidentiality of information and that financial data that we've been talking about, right? So that's when we need to look a little bit more closer at do they have the ability to secure their data, right? Do we have you know the VPN type technologies and those capabilities in place so that as they transfer the data from their network into the enterprise network that it remains protected. So I think it is a longer term business kind of discussion to say, what are we trying to protect? And then putting those capabilities in place. And again, just like everything else, I think most users, you know, they want to do the right thing as long as it's easy, right? And it's something that helps fit into their job. So are there ways that we can put capabilities in place, such as the VPN, so that once they connect their workstation, the VPN will create the connection for them so that we can isolate them from their home network into our enterprise network and minimize the risk imposed from their being on their home network, right? Most users are already getting more comfortable with things like multi-factor authentication, even with doing personal banking and things like that. So are there things, you know, capabilities that we can help send with our employees so that they can use those types of technologies in a more consistent basis so that they can continue working remotely? Thank you, Tom. And that actually brings me to my very next question, because you said we continue working on a consistent basis. And so as we make this transition to more permanent models, right, more sustainable models, that's going to have to include some training. Right. And, you know, in my job. So as the deputy director of One in Tech, we are tasked with, you know, providing pathways to sustain and diversify the landscape of digital trust, right, of of the industry. And so what that lends itself to is us building more inclusive models so that regardless of gender, culture, ethnicity, or age, people can feel included in the industry. So what have you found are different types of training methods that are inclusive to everyone who has to work from home and adjust to a more permanent model? With training, just like, you know, and everything else that we're talking about at home, people wanted the flexibility and being granted access to it. So, you know, working from home, one of the biggest things is to remind people that, you know, while you are working from home, it is an alternate work site, right? When you had to go to the office, you had to badge in, right? You had to protect your information. None of this changes. We still need to protect it, making sure that people are provided that training so that we have, you know, whether it's video snippets that they can watch on their own time, when it's convenient for them, that they're aware of it is one method that we can do it, making sure that people have that readily access to it. One of the things we found most effective, though, from many training aspects is, you know, how do we make it more real for them? So while we can find, you know, training resources that are available on the internet, there's plenty of security training companies out there, but really a lot of the effective training comes whenever we can personalize it so that they can see themselves in it and they can see how it's related to the way that they're operating in their business. So again, making it, you know, on on demand so that they can take the training when's necessary for them and that they can relate to it are two of the biggest things that I've seen help get point across. Thank you, Kelly. Did you want to weigh in? Right. And I think you both made great points about just the the relatability of it and making you know, being able to see yourself in that training. If it feels like just a checklist of make sure you use the VPN, make sure you're using multi-factor authentication, you know, just do this, do that, do that. You know, you're going to take the training, hopefully pass the quiz at the end and then move on with your day and forget about it. But if we can really focus that training on, you know, factoring that into how do you how do you operate on a daily basis? How do we build this into your normal routine, making it more personalized and more, you know, scenario based or using 
examples, or we see a lot more of the phishing training that's going on with sending, you know, the phishing emails, um, where it's just yeah, more more hands on. I think all of those things are great ways to to make those those concepts stick a little bit more, so that it's not just oh, well, I do my annual security training and then, or I think it was annual, maybe it was two years ago. You know, making it a little bit easier to remember and that you're actually retaining that information rather than being just a kind of a checkbox of you know, well, we we've achieved training. Okay. So we've talked a lot about existing security setups and evolving our security infrastructure for these work from home and hybrid models. What about the companies who don't know where they stand in the in the landscape, right? So what tips or recommendations do you have for enterprises looking to assess how secure they are and how far they need to go to achieve optimal security? Yeah, I think that's a great question because it varies so widely from company to company. What What's important for one company may not be important for another. We all know we need to secure our, our business and make sure we're operating securely, but but what does that mean to you? And I think in a lot of cases, and kind of going back to an earlier point Tom made about thinking about your risks, You know, is it the confidentiality of your data you're worried about that you need to protect that financial information or healthcare information? Is it the availability of your services that you may be in a customer facing business and you need to make sure that you're always available for a phone call or if you're maybe selling products that you want to make sure that's available for purchase you know really thinking about your business is it they have the confidentiality integrity availability and and breaking that down for you know what is it that matters to us and then translating that for security to say so how do i protect that what are those key capabilities i need to have in place that ensures those those business needs are met and then you can kind of prioritize and go from there and figure out you know what are those technical solutions and there's a, a lot of commonalities there that we're seeing that we've mentioned with the you know multi-factor authentication making sure that people aren't getting into systems they shouldn't be using the vpn to help protect those network connections and um, you know using you know having you know, encrypted information on our drive. So there's a lot of commonalities, but you know, the how you do that and how to prioritize it and where to where to focus that dollar, because we all know resources are limited time and money, um, and being able to be confident that you're putting those resources to the right places. Thank you. And Tom, in your response, can you also talk a little bit about how full disk encryption comes into play here? Absolutely. And I think, uh, like Kelly said, it's always important to understand you know, the business side. What are we trying to protect and how it's being protected? And we do see increase in the amount of full drive encryptions that are used on the remote workstations that are being sent out in the field. Many cases, we're no longer taking the performance hit, right, for encryption. So keeping people working, it's not harming them there. But what it does is it adds that extra layer of security to us so that when people, you know, shut down their workstation at the end of the day, we know that that data is encrypted, right? So now we have ciphertext instead of sensitive financial information, you know, so that if someone was to walk in to their home office or, you know, if someone was on their way and left it in their car and, someone you know stole the laptop or something like that they're not stealing the financial data they're stealing that encrypted data uh, that we know we have confidence that has been protected and you know going to help protect the confidentiality of that information because you know a lot of times you know while there are target attacks where people are trying to steal our corporate information all the time that happens at everything but when laptops are left laying around whether it's you know at a remote site or you know whether we 
just get up to walk away from it for a minute or leave it in our car as we run into the grocery store, right? People aren't necessarily looking for the data on it to begin with. That they're looking for is the laptop, right? Something that they can go and sell and make a profit on. So by having that full drive encryption in there, we just help eliminate that additional concern as to whether the data got disclosed, whether you know someone is going to use it, right? We know that they didn't have access to it um, by ensuring that all data on the drive was encrypted. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate that. So we've come to the portion where I like to rub a crystal ball and kind of look into the future of, of securing our work from home um, infrastructures, right? So my first question in that regard is, do you expect advances in artificial intelligence and other emerging technologies to make more of an impact on remote working in the future? I've enjoyed the the field for as long as I have simply because it's a challenge in trying to keep up, right? It's always evolving, always trying to understand, even with the advent of you know, mobile phones and mobile devices in of themselves and people bringing, you know, having bring your own devices uh, concepts to the enterprise, right, that we had to deal with. That was a challenge, right? So yes, it's, you know, as new technologies advance, yeah, definitely I see increased challenges there and staying ahead. Um, but I also see a lot of opportunity with that as well, right? So as machine learning gets a little bit more improved, right, are we going to have better capabilities of reviewing, you know, audit logs today, audit logs, you know, there's a ton of data. We have a lot of different system information and event monitoring systems or SIMs that will correlate and look at the data. But if we have machine learning concepts in there, are there better, more analytical tools that we can apply to it to look for trends so that instead of waiting till a breach occurs and trying to figure out what happened, what data that it got and get back, can we start looking for those indicators a little bit sooner and be able to take actions across forum and help, right? Can we be able to help you know, monitor people as they as they work remotely, so that we could have capabilities of detecting misuse of systems again. So that hopefully we can be more on the preventive side of it. So I, I definitely agree. Yeah, those changes in technologies are going to continue to be challenges, um, but they also bring great opportunities for us to continue the field uh, and continue improving our capabilities for providing better recommendations and ways to secure data. Thank you, Kelly. Did you have something you wanted to add? Yeah, no, I think that's a great point that it's just with challenge brings opportunity. And I think we have definitely seen a lot of challenges over the last few years with this transition to working remotely. But with that, we've seen also just the way we operate has changed, you know, moving more into cloud environment rather than having all the on-prem systems and and a lot of it and being able to thinking about security from another perspective. I think in a lot of cases, it's forcing companies to to think, how do we how do we build the security in rather than assuming um, that it's being that it, the users are going to achieve, help us achieve that, and obviously we've got the training. But yeah, I definitely think as as industry changes, that's one of the things that's exciting about this field is that there there's always changes, and we're always going to see that. And being able to kind of be along for the ride and and help with that, I think, is exciting. So Kelly, specific to VPNs, how do you see that evolving in the coming years? especially for usage in remote work? 
Right. Well, I think we're definitely seeing increased adoption of VPNs. More and more companies are using that, you know, back to how Tom, I think, was talking earlier about protecting, making sure that we're not using our local network. So, you know, your home network, that once you're connected to that VPN, you're essentially on your corporate network and that the company then has more control over that traffic and what's occurring there. So I think we're definitely going to be seeing continued increases there, as with the other technologies, just making it easier on the user side where they there's less that they need to worry about and more that can be kind of automated in the background by following, you know, the procedures laid out for them. So we are going to wrap up in a few, but I want you to take a moment and think about a phrase or just a few words that you would like every enterprise to keep at the forefront, kind of a security motto. And maybe if those words don't apply to the employee, a security motto for the employee that they should keep in the forefront as they navigate between hybrid models or working from home or adjusting to working from home and doing so much more securely and intentionally. It goes back a lot to what we've been talking about all, the whole time here. You know, a lot of organizations, when we very, very started working with them, right, we said, all right, people are going to be working remotely or they're going to be working from home. And it was startling to me or, you know, enlightening, I guess, maybe is a better word for it, is when we just changed the way that we described it instead of, you know, people are no, not working from home, but they're working at an alternate work site that happens to be their home. Right. And getting that mentality of, all right, no, it is an alternate work site. Yes. I know when I go into the office again, back to, I had to badge in, I had to keep my desk clean. I had to lock things up appropriately. Right. None of that has changed. Right. None of those things that we cared about in the office uh, go away when we're working from home. Right. And if we think of it as an alternate work site, I think it helps us to keep that mentality in place that says, oh, that is right. I am at work. Right. I do need to protect the data. I do need to be careful of who's behind me, who's listening into these conversations you know none of us want to want to say that our spouses are untrusted but do they need to know the you know the bonus structure for our company do they need to know annual salaries or our plan going forward not that we think they're going to do anything malicious with it but again we need to make sure that we contain that data or in most cases we don't but we need to protect that data so if we just remember we're working in an alternate work site and you wouldn't have people you know in your office just hanging out if you were having those kind of conversations you know maybe they shouldn't be in the dining room with you Working at an alternate work site. Kelly, do you have anything you would like to add or a model you would like to share? Right. No, that's funny. From the employee perspective, I was in a similar vein, I think, thinking about, you know, would I do this if I was in the office? So I think that's the same kind of perspective of thinking of home as being that alternate work site rather than being your home, which it is. But yeah, what if, if I'm going to do something, is this something I would still do if I was at the office and kind of thinking that through? And then from kind of a corporate perspective or from an enterprise perspective, I think one of the the keys, especially back to the prioritizing and resourcing and figuring out what matters is just kind of slowing down a little bit when you have a second and thinking, what's most important for the business? You know, as we roll out these additional security capabilities, as we think about, you know, how to you know, Im- improve the security or, you know, looking back at how we've been operating over the last few years, is it good enough? You know, we think we need to stop and think about what, what matters most, you know, is it back to the confidentiality, the integrity, the availability of our systems or our data? That question always jumps out at me. Of, you know, what do I care about? What matters most to us as a business? 
That is incredible. And unfortunately, that is all the time we have. This has been such fruitful discussion and I'm sure beneficial to all who will tune in and see it um, and listen to it. And I sincerely thank Kelly and Tom for joining us today and sharing their insights. Um, is there anything else that you all would like to add before we get out of here? I don't think so. I just, yeah, I want to thank you for inviting us to be on today. We're excited to be able to share our experiences and, and talk through some uh, facepalm moments. And so we <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so very much. Uh, we appreciate you and we look forward to you sharing your next blog post and insights on isaka.org um, to our isaka community. Make sure that you check out the original blog post, Lessons Learned from a Year of Remote Work on isaka.org. That's all the time that we have for today. Thank you for joining us. And until next time, take care and stay safe. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of Page to Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode.